The Vital Way, where ancient wisdom meets the cutting edge to optimize your vitality and performance. There are no right ways, just better ways. Hello and welcome. I'm Logan Christopher with Superman Herbs, and I'll be flying solo for today. Zane is off in the wilderness uh, taking survival school and is off the grid completely for the moment while Cloud is attending a conference uh, having to do with some of the business aspects of what we're doing. So we just recently announced on the website that we have a new uh, area for you to ask your questions for this podcast. You can head on over to supermanherbs.com slash questions and that's just going to bring you to a simple form. Uh, we emailed about it and got a whole bunch of questions coming in. So looking through these questions, I decided to group them up in a couple different ways. It seemed about almost half the questions had to do with hormones and some of our hormonal herbs. So that will be the topic for today, since that seems to be the predominant area that people are looking for benefits for, at least with the Superman herbs that we have. So let's just jump right in. Uh, the first question is, what's a good herb to fight aging estrogen in man? Well, the first place to go, I would say, would be pine pollen. Uh, one thing that's helpful to think of is, in men especially, testosterone and estrogen kind of work to counterbalance each other. And basically, you know, up to a certain point, the more testosterone you have and the less estrogen you have, the better off you're going to be. For women, it's a little bit different. It's more progesterone and estrogen uh, working that sort of balance with each other. Uh, this being said, men have progesterone, uh, women have testosterone, so really all the hormones working together, it's a bit more complicated. But for men, primarily, uh, you need to work with this testosterone-estrogen balance. And here's the thing about the hormones can get caught in a cycle. This means it can be both a virtuous cycle or uh, a, a bad cycle. The more testosterone you have, basically your body is better able to keep that testosterone in play. Uh, it's able to keep yourself maximized androgenically. Contrast that with the more estrogen you have, your body actually will then produce more estrogen. Like the more estrogen you have, the more aromatase enzyme you have, and you get caught in this vicious cycle where you uh, have a much harder time of getting back to optimal hormone levels. So that's one of the things that we can do. Anything that's going to increase testosterone, basically, just by helping that, that's going to help limit estrogen. And at the same time, a lot of these herbs specifically can fight estrogen. There's a couple different things you need to think of. First of all, you want to limit your exposure to exogenous hormones, or exogenous estrogens specifically, which we get all in our environment today. It's in plastics, it's in our water supply, it's in pesticides, it's in, you know, commercial great animals and their dairy, that sort of thing. There, there's tons of this everywhere. So we need to work to eat healthier, basically, to drink healthier, to live healthier in a way that we're going to limit our supply. The sad fact is you can't get away completely from these things, you know, short of like going and living in a far off remote cave. And even then, we probably got some estrogens over there just from, you know, the massive amount of chemicals we've used and how they spread and all that. So it, it's unavoidable today, but you can certainly take steps to limit that. 
in addition, you want to support your body in being able to detox, to get rid of those estrogens in the body. Uh, remember, there's both the exogenous and endogenous, meaning the ones that come from outside as well as the ones your body produces by itself. Both can have bad effects, and I'd say definitely the xenoestrogens, these chemical things, probably worse of the two versus natural estrogen. But basically, you want to get rid of both. So pine pollen, for instance, that while it has those uh, testosterone and those other androgens in it, uh, it's, half of its effect seems to be in helping the body to get rid of this stuff as well. But anything that's going to help support detox can also be very useful for this purpose. Uh, similar thing with Tomcat Ali, uh, although that helps your body to increase its own testosterone, it's also limiting its conversion to estrogen so it keeps it more freely available. If it's more freely available, it's better able to actually sort of fight those estrogens as well. Of course, there's a few other things as well. You could look at Shizandra for its detoxing properties. Shizandra is pretty unique in that it supports both phase 1 and phase 2 detox in the liver, and the liver is largely responsible for removing these estrogens in your body. Uh, that's something most people don't think about, the liver as part of your endocrine system. Uh, it probably does it create some of its own hormones itself, but really uh, for getting rid of these excesses and these uh, toxic estrogens, that's going to be critically important. So anything you can help to do to support your liver uh, is probably going to help with that as well. Uh, things like nettle root, we'll be talking a bit about that more with some later questions. Uh, nettle root can limit the aromatization as well. That's well known as one of the good men's herbs. So you have a whole bunch of different things you can play with. But once again, you know, things you can do to increase your testosterone, that's going to be helpful. Limit your exposure to environmental estrogens and then support your body in getting rid of those, and that's going to help. Yes, estrogen naturally goes up while testosterone declines as you get older, but there's a whole lot you can do. So these herbs can definitely help with that. I'd say start with the pine pollen and the tongcat. Those are kind of our big, heavy hormone hitters. Uh, so this kind of leads us to our next question. Uh, the pine pollen doesn't work for me. Is it anything different to help your hormones? Like I was just saying, the tongcat, uh, it, it's hard to say which one is, If you can't really say one is better than another. Uh, it really depends on the person. Uh, some things work better for one person. Other things work better for another. We're all individual. We have different genes. We have different environments. We eat differently. All kinds of different factors that can lead one herb to work better for one person versus another. Uh, if you look at Ayurveda or traditional Chinese medicine, they have different constitutional types, and that's going to help match up to the different herbs and what may be best for you. You know, just having this information online without people getting consulted or going in depth in this stuff, we try to have some of that information, but it's, it's kind of hard to just say everyone should try this herb or try that one but i'd say if pine pollen doesn't work for you that's a great place to start try the tongkat ollie uh that's for me personally I, I feel that's even more powerful probably than the pine pollen tincture that's hard to say uh definitely more powerful hormonally than the pine pollen powder by itself so that would be the second place to go uh, if that doesn't work for you, then you know maybe there's some other issues in there. Uh, there's definitely some other stuff that can help. But here's the thing: if 
these herbs don't work, then the issue may not be the hormones itself for whatever sort of benefits you're looking for. Uh, for instance, you could be overly stressed, uh, which, you know, no amount of pine pollen or tonkat ali is probably going to be able to combat an excessive cortisol load, the stress hormone. So doing things like the adaptogens while limiting or taking back your lifestyle so you can fight that stress or something like hoshuwu, that may be more beneficial. That's that, For me, that's one of the fun things about herbs. You get to try these different things and find out what personally works best for you. So our next question is, I'm a 67-year-old male and I use androgel to maintain my testosterone level in support of a decent sex life. Would regular use of specific herbs allow me to discontinue the drug and still achieve this goal? I need to say, I am not a doctor. Uh, you have to talk to your doctor about getting off drugs, obviously, that kind of thing. Can this, can herbs help? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, we've heard reports from guys in their 60s and their 70s uh, using herbs for great results, even having great sex lives at that more advanced age. Uh, are these herbs going to be as powerful as a drug, something that's like direct testosterone applied to the body? Uh, it's hard to say. For some people, it may be. For other people, uh, it won't. Uh, and once again, you have to look at these different things. Here's the thing about drugs. As, as I've been talking about here, uh, the hormones are pretty complex. Although they're simpler in men than they are in women, it's still pretty complex. Uh, so if you're doing something like just getting testosterone injections, that's going to work great for some people, and it may cause problems in another, because if you're not looking at aromatization, if you're not looking at, you know, 5-alpha reductase, which turns that into DHT, if you're not looking at sex hormone binding globulin, all these different things that may be at play, then just having a drug that works on one thing that might not be the best for you. Uh, that being said, you know, obviously it works quite well for a lot of people. Uh, that's what I like about the herbs. They, they tend not to do just one thing. Uh, if it's a hormonal herb, it's going to have different actions, and each herb is a little different. So by playing around with them, you can find what works best for you. If you're trying to come off of a testosterone drug, then yeah, you're probably going to want to load up on the different herbs, trying to very powerful stack, the pine pollen powder, pine pollen tincture, along with Tonkat Ali, I think most people are going to feel that, and it can be quite powerful. So that may allow you to discontinue the drug and still have a good sex life and maintain youthful or somewhat youthful levels of testosterone. Try it out. See how it works. Uh, the first thing you may want to do is, you know, continue on with the drug as you've been doing. Then add in the herbs and notice the sort of effect. Then maybe taper down on the drug. See how that goes. And, you know, once once again, talk to your doctor. See if it works out for you uh, to discontinue the drug. You can always get back on it. You can always stop using the herbs. You know, it's just play with it. See what works. Next question, how come you guys don't include tribulus terrestris? I'm not sure how to pronounce that last one. Tribulus, most people have heard of this if they've looked at uh, different hormonal herbs. Uh, very popular in the bodybuilding world. They'd use it as sort of a post-cycle, you know, after doing steroids, they would use tribulus. Uh, so why don't we include it? One, we have played around with it. We're sort of experimenting. We've used it a little bit here, there. It may be something we have in the future. Uh, I haven't used it enough to say, like, definitely we need to get this one out there. Looking at the science behind it, you know, everyone's saying it's a testosterone-boosting one, but the limited sort of research that has looked specifically at, at that effect has uh, 
been inconclusive at best or actually showing that no it doesn't work on this specific uh factor that being said you know that was kind of one of the purposes that it was used with men you know looking at ayurveda that sort of thing one thing that it has been shown to do at least in rats uh, pretty pretty firmly convincingly that it, it does have this effect is increase the creation of sperm so anyone looking for a larger sperm count more motility uh, if you're having some problems with infertility, this would probably be a very good herb to use for that purpose. So, like I said, that may be something we carry in the future, maybe something we include in some formulas, still playing around with it at this point. Uh, we can't include everything in there. We really want to find the best of the best stuff. So really in the future, I think we're going to focus a bit more on limiting things, not really trying to bring everything out there. Uh, that's just our thoughts at the moment. So this next question is really fun one, something I've been working with, uh, not so much personally, but uh, uh, researching a whole bunch, experimenting. Uh, I would like to find a solution to ED that really works. How are herbs different? So ED meaning erectile dysfunction, in case anyone didn't know that. Uh, first off, you know, not a doctor once again, erectile dysfunction is, I think it's a like clinical disorder, so we can't possibly treat anything like that, can't cure it, definitely not. Uh, <laughs> here's the interesting thing about when looking at ED drugs, uh, with, we have certain, you know, ones registered, trademark, might not even be able to say their names, but uh, they work on a specific enzyme that is working in order to keep an erection to help get that. It's called the PDE5 enzyme. I'm not going to try to pronounce the whole long uh, name, just that, that's the uh, uh, short letters, the acronym for it. Uh, PDE5, what this does basically is, uh, if you have an excessive amount of this, then even if you do get hard, it's going to go soft after that. Basically, this enzyme is going to uh, cause the blood vessels to constrict rather than relax, which is what allows uh, the erection to happen in the first place uh, with the blood flow nitric oxide in there. So these different ED drugs, they, they're PDE5 inhibitors. Uh, and so they're working on that one action. Uh, this works for, uh, from what I've heard, like 70% of people, but other people, they don't necessarily have that as an issue, so it doesn't work for them. So here's the interesting thing. I was doing a lot of research in this and realized for maximal erectile performance, you need to have a couple different factors. One, the hormones need to be working sufficiently good enough. You need to have enough testosterone. So that's why, you know, pine pollen, tonkai, doli, those can be extremely helpful in that. So even if you pop a bunch of the ED's drugs, if your testosterone is in the tank, you know, it may not work for you. So sufficient testosterone, that's also going to be a big factor in libido. Another factor in libido having that sexual desire is dopamine, the neurotransmitter. Uh, this is extremely important and there's a lot of things in our lifestyle these days that can help to deplete dopamine levels that then can cause ED. One of the interesting things I come across is what is known as porn-induced ED. From people flipping from video to video online, seeing all the stuff that they want to see, you know, all fantasies fulfilled, when they go back to plain old sex, they may not be able to get an erection. Uh, it's pretty interesting and uh, biochemically what is happening is so much dopamine is getting released at this time that insufficient amounts occur 
when you're having sex with a partner, for instance, so that you may not be able to get hard <laughs> at that time. So our coolest herb for this is Macuna, which is a natural source of L-Dopa, and L-Dopa is the precursor to dopamine, so this can really help with that. Macuna also has been shown in some studies to help with testosterone uh, by itself. Another thing dopamine seems to do is reduce prolactin, which is a different hormone that can have some other effects, uh, so that can be helpful with the hormones as well. Uh, herbally, we also do have a PDE5 inhibitor. Uh, this is something we should be coming out with uh, relatively soon, horny goatweed, uh, also known as epimidium. Horny goatweed, the active constituent of that is Icarin, which actually works as a PDE5 inhibitor. Uh, of course, not as strong as these drugs, which are a single compound and just massive amounts of it so that it causes side effects. But horny goatweed, this seems to be one of the effects of it. Uh, then, as I mentioned before, we also need nitric oxide. We need blood flow to the penis in order for it to get erect. Uh, so a favorite herb in that account right now is Sistanch. It does seem to have some nitric oxide boosting effects, uh, but specifically, historically, it was used to increase blood flow to the groin area. So very great for that. That's actually what I just laid out right there. Tonkat Ali, Epimidium, Sistanchin, Makuna. That's currently what I'm working with right now for uh, what should be coming hopefully pretty soon, Thor's Hammer. Just kind of Working with those as the main herbs may add a little bit else in there, but uh, trying to find the right ratios for this formula that's specifically for this uh, purpose, uh, working with erectile dysfunction, because you need to work on these different sort of areas to really work for a lot more people in there. That being said, you know, if, if you have an idea of what may be the problem area for you, then just going straight to that one herb that can help with it, that may be a better approach for you. Next question. Hi guys, I am now a regular purchaser of your products. They rock. There's a lot of information about cycling herbs so that they still affect your physiology. I take Hoshu Wu, doing a six-month experiment to see if I can reverse my graying beard and Shizandra for health reasons. But I take things like Tonkat Ali for the sex-boosting qualities. If I don't cycle the sex-boosting herbs like Tonkat and Katuba, nettle root, etc., I notice they do not produce the effects I want. So do you need to cycle herbs that improve health, such as Hoshu Wu, in order to get the health benefits? I know Hoshu Wu is a sex booster also, but I don't want to cycle it for that effect, because I want the SOD and catalase production to be stimulated in my body every day. Thanks. Adam. This is a great question. Uh, cycling, there's, there's a lot of information out there on this. So really, what are the herbs you want to cycle and what herbs don't you want to cycle? And there are differing opinions on this. So he, here's the way I think about it. I heard from David Wolf, you know, the raw foodist, super foodist guy, long time ago. Uh, when working with hormones, it's kind of best to think of it like a game of musical chairs. If you're doing anything hormonally with herbs and you're always doing the same thing over and over again, your body adjust to that. Uh, so if you're increasing your body's own production of testosterone, eventually it gets used to the herb doing that, it triggers that to then slow it down. So if, if you work with your herbs in a more cyclical fashion or even more randomly, then that can tend to give the best effects hormonally. Uh, the next question has to do with this as well, so we'll dive into detail on that. Uh, for other herbs though, other purposes, like just health promotion, I would say being on the herbs 
all the time is probably the better option to go uh, because with some of the herbs it really is like your body builds up to them gets used to them and is able to better derive the benefits the adaptogens are one example of this uh, you get your best results with the adaptogens when you're on them for a number of weeks even months uh, because basically what the adaptogens are doing is they're growing in and they're stressing your body on a certain level and your body is building up that resistance to that stress and when it handles that stress it's much better at handling other stress uh, Hoshuwu, as Adam here talked about, that'd be another example. Really, uh, this is one I'm, I'm playing with a bit more for myself, uh, just because I was looking at some more, the more research in it and just how deeply restorative it is. This is really something you ought to be on regularly if you want to get the best benefits for it. Uh, like Adam said here, reversing grain beer, that is one of the things that it's been known to do. And like anything, it Probably works great for some people, but not necessarily for everyone. So this would definitely be something that uh, I would stick to using regularly. I think what Adam's doing here, uh, being on the Hoshuwu as well as the Cisandra, which is an adaptogen, being on those long-term for health benefits, I think that's great, and cycle with the different hormonal herbs. I really do think that's probably the best way to go about doing that. That being said, one thing we've talked about with the pine pollen, when you have it in the powdered form, uh, it's it's more of a food. You're getting a whole lot more than just the phytoandrogens. you got vitamins, minerals, all kinds of things. So uh, this can be something you're more on long term. That being said, even that may be something good to cycle a bit here and there. Just, once again, get this sort of random effect. That way your body can't adjust to what you're always doing with the hormonal herbs. And that way you get the best benefits from them. So that brings us to our second question. What is the best method to cycle the herbs to prevent your body from adjusting? Take Tonkat Ali for example. You recommend five days on, two days off, but Mark Wilson recommends just take it one day a week. So Mark Wilson is uh, one of the guys that we've worked with a bit, uh, talks a lot about this different space, working with the hormones, working for sexual performance, that sort of thing. Uh, so first off, let me say, why, why do we recommend five days on, uh, two days off? Uh, that was just kind of the standard cycle that was given to us, and we tested it out. It seemed to work great. Uh, so that seems to be sufficient uh, time in order for you to feel the benefits and then a little bit of layoff time so that uh, your, your body doesn't adjust completely to the herb like I was talking about earlier. What Mark Wilson recommends, and this is a very interesting idea, it kind of actually goes a little bit more in line with what I was saying earlier with being a little bit more random with it. Uh, Mark Wilson talks about just do one herb every day of the week a different herb, a different hormonal herb in order to get the benefits. So take Tonkat Ali one day a week, take Sestanch the next day on the week, uh, take say Hoshuwu the next day after that, take uh, the Pine Pollen Tincture the day after that, and so on. So you're taking different hormonal herbs each day of the week. Uh, as I said, with the hormones, this may be a very effective way to do it because it's it's much more random. And sure, you could do it the same thing, but your body is not going to be able to adjust anything. So if you take a good-sized dose of each thing, you can get the effects. You can often feel it right away. And then you move on to the next herb the next day. Your body won't be able to adjust to that sort of specific action the way that that herb works because it's being hit with something different the following day. I think this is a great approach. I personally 
I, I somewhat do random with my herbs all the time. I'm, I'm never very regular unless I'm specifically working with something. So this is something I'd say I, I kind of more naturally do. I think it's a great method. Uh, once again, find what works for you. For some people, you know, being on the same herb for several days in a row, they may get a little bit more of the benefits from doing it. For other people, this more uh, one herb per day of the week may be a better approach. Try them both, see what works well for you, and definitely report back. I love to hear how these different programs or ideas work for different people. Next up, what are your best herbs for an enlarged prostate? Uh, any protocols, other health regimens for it? So with the prostate health, uh, th this is very interesting with um, the different hormones. For long times, it was believed that testosterone, which gets converted into DHT, dihydrotestosterone, which is more powerful androgenically than testosterone itself, it was believed that DHT was a bad guy, that it caused enlarged prostate, caused prostate cancer, all kinds of things. More recent research shows that this is not the case, not the case at all. Really, uh, problems with the prostate are caused by excess estrogen levels, specifically estradiol, which seems to be the worst of the estrogens, but definitely with all these different environmental ones, uh, who, who's to say exactly what is in there? I pulled out the Natural Testosterone Plan from Stephen Harrod Buhner, a uh, great book, and just wanted to read a little quote about this. Um, when androgen and estrogen levels alter, especially estradiol, the most potent estrogen, the evidence now strongly suggests that the prostate gland's tissues begin to grow in significantly different ways. One study in Japan examined the levels of total testosterone, free testosterone, and estradiol in men who participated in a large mass screening for prostate disease. Although free testosterone and total testosterone levels were found to be irrelevant to prostate disease, the levels of estradiol and the ratio of estradiol to both types of testosterone were found to be significant indicators of prostate disease. So like we were talking about in the uh, sort of start of these questions and answers, uh, more testosterone you have, less estrogen you have, the better off you'll be. Uh, a lot of men get prostate cancer or uh, what they call BPH, benign prostatic hyperplasia, which is the enlargement of the prostate, but not necessarily with the sort of bad effects of it. So, best herbs, I'd say once again, and uh, we have a second question on this, which is kind of the same thing, so I'll just read that right now. Pine pollen and nettle root, can these herbs increase prostate PSA test? Uh, PSA is prostate-specific antigen. It's one of the tests they use to screen for this sort of thing. Um, so pine pollen, I say it would help with prostate because what's it going to do? It's going to help support testosterone while it's going to lower estrogen. I definitely think this is going to be helpful. And nettle root, that is like the most well-researched specifically for helping with prostate on those herbs out there. I believe there is something, this is also from uh, Buner's book. Um, Uh, nettle root has been used to treat both BPH and prostitis in at least 30 clinical styles. Uh, so very, 
very effective for this, well-researched, and a lot of uh, research backing up that it is specifically great for this. Nettle root, uh, while it may limit the conversion of, uh, te of testosterone to DHT, that's something that uh, the sort of jury is still out on, uh, so that may not be the best thing, but it uh, limits aromatization, it limits sex hormone binding globulin, so it's helping to keep more testosterone, testosterone, and have the effects of that, and specifically, it's definitely helping with the prostate, so I'd say that's a number one one thing you want to do but back that up with some pine pollen I think that's going to be a pretty good protocol for uh, working with the prostate uh, another herb out there that's well known for this is saw palmetto uh, that is also useful uh, in these cases of working with the prostate as well so next question can I make a tongcat tincture and if so how so this is a question we've received a a couple different times about some of our different herbs. Can you just take our powders and make a tincture of that? Here's the thing, most of the stuff that we sell are extracts. They're already hot water extracted, meaning that if you were to make a tincture out of that, you're not going to get the most benefit. Here's why. Alcohol pulls certain constituents out of uh, whatever you're working with, a root, bark, you know, pollen, that sort of thing. Water pulls out other constituents. There are some similarities, but there are some differences. Uh, and you, you may get different components in each ones. The mushrooms are a good example because you can find lots of different tinctured or powdered forms of these. So if you already have a hot water extraction of something and then you just pour alcohol on th that, uh, you're going to pull out some things, but you're going to be missing a lot. Really with tinctures, you need to start with the raw form. So our Tonkat Ali is a powdered extract, hot water extraction of it. So you could put alcohol in that and use it, but it's really not going to be the most effective thing. What you'd want to do is get a hold of good quality Tonkat Ali roots and then prepare your own tincture that way. We do not sell Tonkat Ali roots. We just get our uh, extract already in that form. We're not doing it ourselves. So if you can get those uh, those raw roots, you can certainly make a tincture out of this. I haven't seen a lot of data either way on whether the hot water extraction or the alcohol tincture would be one maybe more powerful for one thing than another. With some herbs, definitely one option is better to go than the other. Uh, this leads us to our next question. Why don't you encapsulate or tabletize your Tomcat since it works so well but tastes so freaking awful? Uh, this is a great question. The reason we don't put it in capsules is basically every capsule, in order to put things into capsules, uh, they need what is called a flow agent. Uh, what's most often used is magnesium stearate. Now, is this the worst thing in the world? No. But is it good for your health? No, it's not. Even these small amounts of it, if you're taking lots of pills and capsules, uh, it's definitely not enhancing your health. Uh, so we want to avoid this, and we've looked at using some different machines that do it. It's a whole lot of work, a lot of manual labor in order to do it. In the future, we may have some capsules available with something like Tomcat. That being said, if you want to do it for yourself, it's really not that difficult to do. You can get a little pilling machine and make your own capsules with the Tomcat if you want. Uh, another reason for this is that we believe that tasting the herbs, even if they taste horribly bitter like Tomcat Ali does, that can provide some benefits that can basically direct your body to know what to do with the herb better than if you don't taste it at all. I think that's part of the reason that people pop so many pills and don't get benefits. You really kind of lose 
that nature of the herb by not tasting it. Taste is very uh, important. So basically, what we like to tell people is man up <laughs> and take your tomcat. Get used to the bitter taste. And we've heard this time and time again. It's our own personal experience. After a while, you'll become accustomed to the taste. Uh, you might even begin to enjoy that bitter flavor. That being said, I know it's pretty horrible. I tell people that there are ways to get around it, like sort of the water gulping trick that we show on the video on the Tomcat page, and you certainly can put it in capsules if you want. Uh, one report we did get from a person, though, which was very interesting, he said he, he didn't seem to have the benefits when he was putting it in the pills, yet when he started to taste it, then he seemed to notice the benefits right there. Uh, there's a lot more going on than just the active constituents in our digestion. That tasting part, I believe, is actually very important. So just a couple more questions here. Uh, these have to do with the females. I've been taking Tonkat Ali for a little while and I really like the effects. I see on the page for it that there's a female equivalent coming soon. What herb will this be? Uh, this is something we've been playing around with a little while. There's a good chance, yes, we will be releasing it soon. First off, let me say, Tonkat Ali is, can work great for women. Uh, this actually has to do with the next question too, so let me bring that up. What would be the best herb for females that lack a sexual drive? Tonkat Ali, from what I've seen just from experimenting, uh, I'd say it's kind of 50-50. Some women like it, some do not. Uh, the recommended dosage is half that of men, so just 50 milligrams rather than 100 milligrams. Might even be wise to start with a quarter dose, like 25 milligrams. Uh, that may work better for some women. Some women find it too hot. This kind of uh, stimulates them too much. Other ones, it definitely can be powerful for this. So that is certainly worth giving a try. So from Malaysia, there's another herb called catsip. Fatima. Uh, this is known as the female equivalent of Tonkat Ali. You seem to need a little bit higher of a dose, but it definitely seems to help with increasing libido. Uh, so like I said, this is there's a good chance we'll have this available in the future. Um, then you can try it out. Uh, we have gotten some positive reports from it. So yeah, definitely look for that coming. That's going to wrap it up for the questions today. Like I said, one to kind of get all these ones having to do with hormone herbs, and we'll definitely be having future Q&A podcasts uh, in the future. Uh, if you want to ask questions for upcoming podcast episodes, head on over to supermanherbs.com slash questions, and you can enter your question there, and we will address it on these future episodes along with the other interviews and other specific topic podcasts we have. So thanks a lot for listening, and hope I answered your question, and I if, if there's any follow-up to that, you can go and ask that in that area as well. Logan Christopher, Superman Herbs, on the Vital Way podcast, signing off.